Podcast Answer Man, episode number 19. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and you're listening to, yet again, another episode of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network's Podcast Answer Man, and we're here with a very special guest host with me today, one of my favorite friends, Chef Mark Tafoya. Chef Mark Ravenscraft. <laughs> <laughs> Chef Mark, how are how you, are sir? You? I'm good. I'm good. Doing well. You are, you are quite the world traveler. Lately, God, I have been. I really have been traveling a lot. We're headed to to Italy at the end of the week too. I, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, it's we're going to Specfest, which is the world's largest festival of spec, which is a kind of cured ham that's made in Alto Adige, the the extreme north of Italy, which is sort of a combination of prosciutto and smoked ham. So uh, we're going to that, and we're going to see some Asiago cheese uh, manufacture too. Wow. And you're doing this, of course, for the Culinary Food Net Podcast Network, right? The culinary, the culinary Podcast Network, exactly. Yeah, so we're going to be covering that. So we're going to be getting video and audio interviews, just like we always do. You know, we, everywhere we go, we, we get video and audio, and uh, you know, we put it out there for our listeners and our viewers to check out. I have been watching your Culinary Podcast Network, and you guys are doing some wonderful job, a wonderful job of the video podcasting. Where can our listeners go and find uh, you on the web? The easiest place is to go to culinarypodcastnetwork.com, uh, but we can also be found on uh, Podshow. So you can go to remarkablepalette.podshow.com or foodphilosophy.podshow.com. Uh, but everything, we have a whole aggregate feed that's available um, at culinarypodcastnetwork.com. Yes. Uh, but, but also, if, you, if anyone is a Podshow user, uh, they can find my channels, and I have a video channel that's just our videos. I have the aggregate feed that's everything, and I have the Remarkable Palette. So I have channels for all the different um, uh, feeds if they want to have different variations of it. Very nifty stuff. So, Mark, I was listening to the Remarkably Mark podcast, uh, as I am a, a subscriber to all of your shows, and I like to just check up and see what's going on with my good friend, and uh, you're, I tell you what, I'm so in love with that, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of that band now, that you did the walk in the park, and uh, there was that band there. Oh, I have their CD right in front of me. It's called Break of Reality. The, the 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 cello the the heavy cello thunder with the yes. three cellos and the drums they're really great they're really great you can check them out at breakofreality.com um really interesting stuff yes i hope I, to have them on the podcast and we got to and i got to hear uh, mama tofoya <laughs> you're right yeah yeah mama mama apodaca actually but yeah my my mother <laughs> exactly all righty and then merlin yes that is the that is the correct place uh, he's in the chat room uh, saying, is this the correct website? Yes, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, it redirects. The culinarypodcastnetwork.com redirects to our Gilded Fork uh, domain, which is our main domain. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, exactly. You're in the right place, Merlin. Very cool. So uh, as I am a subscriber to the Remarkably Mark podcast, which is really your kind of, uh, if, if I was to compare it to any of the shows that I do, it'd be like the My Crazy Life for Chef Mark. Exactly. I call it a chef's life outside the kitchen. And basically anything 
that has to do with that's not really specifically culinary I put in there. Um, so stuff with, where I go out and do sound scene tours, uh, a lot of the musicians that I check out. I mean, I'm, I'm hooked up with some, with some good music people here in, in New York City, and uh, I get invited to, to see concerts of these you know, independent bands. And uh, so once in a while, I, I'll do interviews with them or I'll just put music out. In fact, I'm going on Tuesday night to see the Lascivious Biddies perform. And you might be familiar with the Lascivious Biddies because they have their own podcast as well called Biddycast. Oh, they cool. are a, yeah, they are a four-woman uh, sort of jazz ensemble. I mean, they're they're jazz-ish, but they're not just specifically jazz. They they their their music sort of rounds out a lot of different genres, and they're just so talented and amazing. So people can check that out at biddycast.com, and I think their their main uh, fan website is biddies forever with the number four. So biddies number four ever dot com. Very nifty. Hey, um, the reason why we have you here specifically today, which, I mean, we'll have you any day you want to come. But anyway, the reason why we have you here today is because uh, two of the most recent episodes of Remarkably Mark were recordings from two different sessions from the PodCamp Philly uh, PodCamp that was recently held. And uh, I had never heard, over the last... A uh, year or so, I've heard of the buzz about people saying, you know, it'd be great to kind of get podcasters together and organize them into some sort of an association so that we could really have some common language and and really haven't heard very much about the formation of such an organization or an association until just recently when I listened to your PodCamp Philly stuff and I noticed that you ha- were talking about something called ADM. So, yes. Mark, why don't you... I, now, I, I have released both episodes from your feed in this podcast feed. So, if you're just now catching it, uh, up with this, you can find uh, the Podcast Answer Man feed over at gspn.tv. Click on the Podcast Answer Man. The two episodes before this are directly from Mark's feed, and you can hear those sessions. But Mark, and they, they're very much raw sessions. I mean, basically, I just recorded in a room where everyone was sitting and talking. So, uh, and you know, you get that sort of feeling, you know, so it's not, it's not a polished show by any means. It's a, it's a group discussion and it's a really, uh, lively discussion about this new association for downloadable media. So I guess I can, I can give a little background on it. Um, essentially, and this on their website, you can find it at downloadablemedia.org. And uh, they had their first meeting in May 8th uh, in San Francisco, and they brought together a group of people who just happened to know each other who had been, as Cliff mentioned, having these discussions saying, hey, you know, maybe it's time for some kind of uh, association having to do with podcasting um, that would be different from the IAB and and the NAB and and these different industry associations. So uh, some of the people that were there, um, and I'm reading this right off their website, um, Pete Alcorn from Apple. Uh, Susan Bratton from Personal Life Media, uh, Jonathan Cobb from Kiptronic, John Furrier from PodTech, John C. Havens from Blog Talk Radio, Chris Jacob from PodShow, uh, Dan Loeb from FeedBurner, Chris McDonald from Libsyn, um, and uh, Mark McCrary from PodTrack, Brian Moffitt from NPR, Murgesh Navar from PodBridge, Dave Osborne from Nielsen Online, Dave Prager from Rev3, Matthew Snodgrass from Porter Novelli, and Colette Vogel from Vogel and Associates, and uh, they really just sort of got together and said, "Okay, well, are we are we going to have an association? Should we have an association? What would that mean?" And so they started to just basically form some ideas with the with the uh, notion that 
the association itself would be formed when enough people joined and then voted on what the association would be. So it's kind of like it kind of exists, but it doesn't really exist right now. Right. So that's kind of like the, the background there. Yeah. And, and I think it was a great discussion. And, and Merlin said that discussion casts are usually the best um, served raw. And, and I agree with him there because one of the things that I really felt is though – Although I, I didn't have the ability to speak up and, and speak my voice or ask, voice my questions, I really felt I felt that I was there on the ground floor of this, you know, the, the building blocks, the foundation of what possibly is going to become the Association for Downloadable Media. And there were some excellent questions uh, that were thrown into there. Uh, I don't want to rehash the whole conversation. Uh, right, of course, it would not it would not be useful for us to do that. Exactly. Considering people could just listen. <laughs> exactly, and we want to encourage them to do so. Uh, and before before we go into any of the discussion, I know that because of the th- this podcast is is really for the 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 podcaster, and so I know the questions automatically going to be raised, uh, and it's completely off topic, but but yet it's on topic for this podcast. Mark, tell them what you use to record that um, session, what what kind of hardware you use. Oh, okay. Uh, that one actually was very, very simple. I just used the Ederol the R-09, which uh, you've probably heard Cliff and I both talking about that at length uh, on, on this show and others. And I just actually, in that instance, I didn't use any other external microphone. I just used the onboard microphone. I put it in a table in the center of the room and let it rip. And then I, I used Levelator to even it out. And uh, in fact, I even in the show notes said, hey, you know, there's a few moments when it gets a little bit loud because someone who was sitting really near the recorder decided to open up a, a, a candy wrapper in the middle of the recording. You know, you said that, but I never picked up on it when I was actually listening. So, oh, OK, well, good. But, but it got levelated to, to because there are people in the back of the room who obviously weren't as loud as the people who were near the recorder. So that's yeah. why I did that. So, that, you know, that's that's a that's a good trick for if again, if you just wanting to hear what's said and you're not so um, concerned about the real technical uh, audio quality of it, you know, I wouldn't say normally just to levelate it and, and be done with it because, you know, it it really makes certain parts really loud and other parts really soft. So, yes, that's but that's what I did. So that's the that's the meta on, on how that got recorded. Very cool. And and for those of you who are listening, um, levelate or just do a, a Google search for it or go to the show notes. In fact, I'm writing myself a note right now. Yeah, and you can find it. It's it's from Gigavox. Yeah. So if you if you go to gigavox.com, you'll find links to download the level later. Level later. I will put a link in the show notes. Okay, so um, basically, Mark, I wanted to basically ask you some questions, and you've already answered the first one. Number one, uh, we want to start off by saying that you are not here to represent the ADM, <laughs> as it's, yeah, and in as fact, such, I'm, it doesn't I even am exist. Not- I, yeah, it doesn't exist yet, and I'm. But I mean, it exists in that some people have started to to buy memberships. Um, you can buy an individual membership for $150, or you can buy a company membership uh, for $1,000, and I think that gives you the 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 right to have five people from your company um, as members. Uh, and I have not yet joined the ADM, so I am not affiliated, nor am I a member. Uh, I just happened to be at the discussion and was very involved in the discussion and uh, put it, decided to put it out on my feed because that's what PodCamp is all about, right? It's all about recording the sessions and putting them out. Absolutely. So I want to ask you uh, just candidly, uh, what are your initial reactions uh, to those discussions? Okay. Well, my initial reaction when I first heard about the ADM was to say, wait a minute, it seems a little odd that you would have a group of people come together to form an association who whose interests are fundamentally uh, 
I won't say opposing, but just different. Uh, you know, you've got podcasters, you've got advertisers, and you've got people at the agencies, which are the, the either the PR agencies or the advertising agencies, which you know broker the deals and and make the advertising happening. Um, all sort of in the discussion and as part of this association. And, and one of the main questions that I raised and that some, several others raised were, well, wait a minute, how can you really have an association when you've got, but it's it's almost like having you know like if, if and this is funny because the whole question of a union came up and it got very sort of uh, con convoluted and confused because people thought well wait a minute you're you're starting a union and we're like no 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 <laughs> they were using it as a as a metaphor but it would it, I mean you know to to extend that metaphor it would be almost as if you had the workers and the management both in the union right. uh, and uh, you know they're, they're, it's it would seem as though their um, their uh, interests would be opposing so uh, now. That said, I you know I'm not saying oh well there's no way you could have an association where you had people of differing interests in it, but necessarily you'd have to really examine that separately from any association that would be just podcasters, uh, because obviously if it were just podcasters they could easily uh, create an association with a charter and with you know any of the white papers or the suggestions or the industry standards that were truly in the interest of podcasters. Right. Um, with all the other people involved, then you know, you're obviously going to have something that isn't exactly all uh, sort of directed for one, uh, for one group. I, I heard, I think it was in the sec second session where the, the Lady of the Dancers uh, uh, Association had spoken and said, you, and, and kind of voiced that, you know, it'd be best yeah. if we didn't that, that bring... Was, um, that was Gretchen Vogel saying from the Mommy Cast, and she, uh, she has given her as an example that she is on the board of a dance association. Yeah. Absolutely. And she, she made a, uh, the point that you're kind of, of bringing up there, and, and I would have to agree with her that it seems weird to bring in the opposing, if we want to call them the opposing side, but the people who obviously have their interests, uh, their best interests at heart, but yet, I do see the the desire to bring in. Uh, I, my my initial reaction is that I think an association for podcasters or association for people with new media or downloadable media, whatever you want to call it, I think that an association of some type to get people to start using the same language to an start answering the question, "What is a podcast?" Kind of the same way, and when and to kind of set some standards as you know, what what is it that maybe we can all communicate uh, is a listener subscriber base or, or what can what we consider to be a right. download because or not not only that but also what uh, what standards of measurement will you use and and the the standard sort of CPM model from old from what we call old media um, everyone agrees that it doesn't work but no one really has a, a definitive answer that will that will say okay well this is the this is the standard by which we will measure our podcasts or right. our downloadable yeah. so I, I agree that there's a need for that and and one of the comments that really stuck uh, in my head was there was, there was one gentleman uh, that talked about you know working on this huge advertising account and trying to describe you know, answer all the questions that they had about podcasting, about how they're going to measure, how they're going to pay out, and and all these different things. And and basically, if you added in, he said, if you added in all the time, all the billable hours as a consultant, and explaining, and working, and doing all the meetings to negotiate all this, there was about eight thousand dollars worth of billable hours to land a fifteen thousand dollar advertising campaign. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I totally get that because that, and that is, was, yeah, that was Matthew Snodgrass from Porter Novelli, which is an advertising agency here in, in New York. And, yeah. and, and, and that is quite frustrating for the podcaster because the fact is, is that we are trying to explain. Uh, and I will tell you as a, as a lost podcaster, I, early on, I had a particular, um, I had a particular individual who wanted to advertise something very targeted towards the lost community. And he approached me and says, hey, I would love to reach your audience. How much would it be for me to uh, advertise on your show? And what I did is I went to podcast to other podcasters out there who had the similar sized audience that I did who were just as niche. I mean, meaning that it was just as targeted as far as the fandom. And I asked them kind of the rough estimate of what they're getting. And so I approached this advertiser with that amount and he agreed to advertise with us for four podcasts. And what happened was we had some other lost podcasters in the in the lost podcasting community. And what happened was they have a similar sized audience, but they they basically uh, gave their advertising away for almost free. And the- well, yeah, that's and that's been a big problem, I think. And that's, you know, when people talk about this wild, wild west atmosphere of podcasting, that's what they're meaning is that there is no standard. And it, and for a lot of people, they're like, well, oh, my God, this is crazy. You know, some people are getting a lot more and some people are getting a lot less for, quote unquote, the same thing. I don't know if that's an assumption. I mean, I think that that it isn't necessary. First of all, it isn't the same thing because every audience is different. Every show is different. But in a in a way, I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of an advocate of you know. In fact, I even said in one of the sessions is that you know I kind of like the wild wild west because guess what? We've been able to do pretty well for ourselves in this atmosphere. Right. You know, not because we're shooting out other people, but because you know we know what our audience is worth and we've been able to get it in a couple of instances. Right. Um, and I think a lot of other people say, oh, well, then they're lucky you. But what about the rest of us? You know, uh, and I'm, I, you know, I'm not thinking in those terms. Obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, well, oh, well, f- screw everyone else. Forget them. I- I'm going to make lots of money because, I mean, first of all, I'm not making lots of money. But, <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean? It's not that. But I think that I-, I tend to be a little concerned about the notion of fixing standards, which essentially means, you know, I mean, one of the people in the, in the session said it. If you're setting a floor you're necessarily setting a ceiling. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I wonder if that's even useful. I mean, given that, you know, we don't necessarily want to just replicate the model of traditional media um, because that, that essentially would be what would happen if we were to simply set standards and everyone sort of agree, okay, well, these are what the standards are. Obviously, I know a lot of people are saying, well, we're not going to set standards as far as ad rates, but, you know, ultimately that is going to happen. That it, it's going to um, be a byproduct of setting those standards. I mean, it, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I agree that, that the main desire would be to set the standards by which we would you know, maybe have a clear understanding how to communicate who our audience is and, and what kind of downloads we're getting and, and how we're calculating those. And so that, so that people, the, the problem, you go to any advertising agency and you say CPM, they know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they, they've been able to calculate that. If a radio station talks about CPM, I mean, it, it is, it's just out there. Um, and television, you know, they, they have these, well, you mean standards. out there by it's just, it's ridiculous. Well, it, it, <laughs> well, it is it, both. It's out. It's just out there, but yet it's, 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 a, it's an accepted standard by which people say, okay, well tell me what your, your numbers are, which again, the, I think, I think podcasters, we have such a 
more a much clearer understanding of who our audience is. Uh, be, I mean, and also, I think it does. It isn't necessarily tied specifically to the numbers. And I think that's where, if you ask any yeah. podcaster, they'll tell you it's in the it's in the value of the relationship with the audience and the value that the audience perceives of the podcast itself. You know, and the and the degree of ownership that listeners take. And I think your community is uh, probably the, one of the best examples of that. I mean, people are, it's funny, I kind of think, oh, that's a GSPN person. And obviously, you know, they're, they're, they're not a, a Ravenscraft, so they're not technically a GSPN person. But you have a loyal group of people that listens to your shows. And there is an enormous value in that that can't be measured by downloads, nor can it even really be measured by the uh, direct participation that they do. And, and that's where I'm coming from. I mean, it, it, the, whole, the whole deal is that um, there, there are two sides to this. One, it would be so great to have an association that really got the name of podcasting out there, that, that advertising started to understand that, that there is this place where they could put their advertising dollars, where that money is going to be so targeted to exactly who it is they want to reach. I mean, I will, I'll be honest with you. There are some, there are some people that come to me and say, Cliff, I would love to advertise to your audience. And I would say, you'd be throwing your money out the window. <laughs> Trust me. I Number one, I don't agree. Because you're saying you know that, that your audience isn't as interested in, in their product as, as that person thinks that your audience will be. Exactly. It's like I, I know my <laughs> audience. And, and number one, I don't believe in what you're selling. <laughs> and so therefore, ah, I'm... Okay. I, well, and there, yeah, exactly. That's, that's a big issue for a lot of podcasters. You have to feel comfortable with the, you know, the sponsor. Exactly. And, but, but yet at the same time, it would be nice to to have these people at least understand that our advertising in podcasting, if there was some kind of way that this association, number one, could get the word about podcasting out there and what it is and could start tracking not necessarily the standards by which people get paid, but by the success, they could start showing maybe some kind of uh, studies uh, and do some studies out there and 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 put some matrix out there by which advertisers have succeeded through um, podcast advertising. Yeah. Well, see, that's going to be a double-edged sword, too, because I think it's difficult to measure direct results. I mean, it's hard enough in traditional advertising to measure those results. I think it's going to be even harder in new media because a lot of what's going on in terms of advertising is more about brand awareness and brand alignment, so yeah. to speak, like aligning your brand with a certain demographic of people or a certain even a certain philosophy let's say you know because in the case of podcasters we each have our, our own philosophy not only of of how our business model but in terms of life you know whether it's whether it's you as a christian podcaster whether it's me as a uh, classical liberal uh you know free market economist podcaster um and you know we each want to choose sponsors and products that are in alignment with our own personal philosophy and i think that makes that bond even stronger because knowing our audiences we know that hey those products will probably have resonance for our audience if they match um, and then just down to, you know, for example, like you said, you're a Lost podcaster, and if you advertise a product that has to do with Lost, it's likely that even if you have a, obviously a much smaller sub-audience than the ABC audience, those people are highly engaged. I mean, we're freaks. You know? Yeah, no doubt. We're obsessed with this TV show. So when I see an ad uh, or hear an ad on Generally Speaking for figurines, I, I go to the website and check it out, you know? Absolutely. Um, but then I think for like that's a good example where the advertiser would be amiss to uh, um, 
to sort of measure direct sales against your um, your advertising because a they have they're dealing with limited editions to begin with so they're they're going to sell out anyway but b um, it's not necessarily so much about actual you know action that the listener takes but that brand association and then the trust that they therefore have for that brand because of their relationship to you right so what is the answer i mean i mean what is the answer to to a podcaster who let's say like myself uh spends nearly all his free time away from his work his wife and his three children uh seven and under who basically loves to do nothing more than to sit in front of a microphone and podcast about his passions and has little to no time whatsoever to go out and to to really knock on the doors or to to even yeah. ring the telephone uh, of the PR person of any of well, these for- firms. It's an interesting pro- uh, problem because I don't think that the ADM is going to solve that problem for anyone. I mean, obviously, no, you know, no one in the in association is going to have a direct interest to help you drum up business or to sure. help any of us drum up business. Um, but I think it may have a a um, a residual effect in the sense that if the discussion is happening and there's a place for the discussion to happen, then necessarily. I mean, obviously, and this is an example where having the diverse interests all at the same table will be useful for everyone. Um, if, if there is an association and there's a listing of all the members of the association, it will be rather easy for you then to go find out, well, who are, what, who are the names of the people at these advertising agencies that, you know, have the relationships with the clients? So if there's a specific product that you think, hey, you know, they would be perfect for my podcast. Like that's this, you know, I think a good, a good way to approach it for those of us who are podcasters is to say, well, what would be my dream sponsor? Who right. do I really love? Who do I talk about anyway on my show that I love <laughs> that I just would, I would just, it would be great if they actually paid me to talk about them. And then if you know who represents them, it would be much easier for you to contact those people. And if those people understand what you do and how you do it, I think that will sort of grease the grease the rails of of that uh, particular part of the commerce. And I see, think. that is where I think the ADM could really assist me because anybody who listens to any of my shows for any amount of time know exactly who that dream sponsor for the Generally Speaking Podcast Network is. And it would be so great if I could go to the ADM. The man upstairs, right? <laughs> well, that's one. <laughs> no, he doesn't pay for advertising. <laughs> he, gets, he gets it for free. Seriously, he gets ten percent, right? That's right. And <laughs> and we're we're working on getting him to uh, accept our petition for a face. I'm going to start a Facebook group. If one million people join this group, God will put a Chipotle in heaven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're. I'm gonna, oh, but no, see. You 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 missed the point. See, he gave it to us. He brought it to us from heaven. There, so, yes. so we have a little piece of heaven on earth. No doubt. <laughs> See now now let me tell you what what would it be worth for Chipotle to have what we just did? I mean seriously. So what? But the thing is 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 here here's the here's the scenario that I have. I have no doubt that on you know give give me an afternoon uh, that you know I spend two or three hours trying to get down to the right person to talk to. If I could only send them an email with a nice little attachment from a a basically an accepted um, association that has put together of okay what is a podcasting or what is a podcast um, who who else in the marketplace is involved in podcast advertising uh, what are some testimonials and who and then I could 
and, and I could attach to this boilerplate description of podcast advertising, then a description of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network, a little bit of information about us, how we've already mentioned them, and put down, and I could easily, I've already got about 140 personalized notes from when I tried to appeal to them to let us do a, do a live show there. I can already okay. copy and paste this this little you know section of testimonials of people who have gone out and tried Chipotle in a place where they visited uh, on vacation because they don't have one locally just because <laughs> they heard about Chipotle from Cliff and Stephanie. Well, see, what I fear is that you may have already shot yourself in the foot there because you've you know why pay for the cow when you get the milk for free? Well, that's because exactly you've been it. talking about them anyway. So why do they have? Why would they pay you? Obviously, there are there are there is value for them of doing it because then they get to control the message a little bit. Um, but it's it's a topic that CC Chat has addressed on his Managing the Great podcast a couple of times where there are people who, as you mentioned earlier, will just completely undervalue their podcast and then by extension undervalue your podcast or make it that much harder for you to get that which you really um, think your, your podcast is worth. Right. Um, I should mention that there's someone in the chat, April, who has a request to talk. Yes. In fact, uh, I'm going to bring April in right now. And uh, April, you're on the line. Go ahead. Hi. I just wanted to make a comment that... Um from an advertising standpoint, once people start to get on board with actually doing advertisements in podcasts, it's such a unique opportunity because each podcast is such a small demographic of people. It's a very specified group of people for most podcasts that I think it's been very special once people get on board for that. The question is, how do you get people to realize that and I just want to see what your thoughts were on that. All right, Mark. I think it's the that ever elusive ROI, the return on investment. You know, when it comes to business, it's you know, doing something that makes you feel good or that sounds great isn't, you know, in in a business sense it is a, is of no value essentially. Um except for maybe the the goodwill, you know, which is is sometimes a value, but really when you talk about ROI, they want to see, okay, we spent X amount of dollars and we made X amount of sales or we got X amount of brand recognition or we got X amount of uh, market share as a result of that. And that's very it's very difficult to measure even in traditional media. Um, and, you know, the whole Arbitron and Nielsen uh, ratings is kind of a joke. You know, I mean, everyone laughs about about that. It's this antiquated system where you you keep a notebook and then you, you keep notes as to what you thought you listened to over the course of the week. I mean, it's very highly unscientific. But I think, you know, that's going to be the challenge is finding a way to measure the ROI. Um, and I, that's what I was getting at earlier. I think that what, what we as podcasters need to focus on is not um, a, a physical ROI, but rather a, um, a sense of the, you know, the message being addressed to people. I mean, we're, we're working on a, a series right now for a sponsor that's going to be released probably this week. Um, and, uh, and it's a very targeted, uh, sponsored, you know, five episode miniseries, uh, that's paid for by a sponsor. Um, but where we're really focusing on educating about the, the product itself, not that specific brand, but we're using that brand as the example of the product. And I think that that is more about brand recognition and about associating that particular brand with really high quality, 
more so than it will be. I mean, if if the advertiser tries to measure, sorry to say, oh, did we get a bump in sales as a result? I don't think they will get a huge bump in sales because our reach isn't that far yet. But I think that when this industry is a little more mature, we will start to have more of a reach. And yeah. you'll see some podcasts already have that reach because they're, they're obviously podcasts that have been sponsored by and or created by the large media companies, which just automatically have a reach. You know? Absolutely. Well, I, I want to bring up... I don't know if that answers your question, April. I hope, though. It that, does. I see a question in the chat room, and, and they've already said, never mind, they understand now. But I just want to point out, um, ROI, we're, we're using some language that we're, we're hearing a lot in the podcasting community. Uh, re, and, and, of course, ROI is, is big in the business community. It's, it means uh, return on investment. Yeah, and I thought I said that, but if I glossed over it, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, now, one of the thing is, is that re getting a return of it on investment, there is there are some things that podcasters, uh, being that we're more technical in the digital age of, of what we're doing, uh, there are some very unique things that we can do to help do um, some projections of what the ROI is. I mean, we obviously can't capture all of it. But just, I mean, I, how many people have heard of Audible, you know, supporting all these podcasts that are out there? And it's, you know, it's not just go to audible.com. It's go to audible.com slash, you know, whatever. It, it, they have unique um, URLs. And so uh, pe as people click and go to those unique ROLs uh, or URLs where people, it, it's being tracked, I, I think that that has something to do with it. And there's also the ability to have testimonials of, of you know, it, it's so nice to have in the podcasting community people who are technically savvy enough. And depending on how um, devoted of an audience you are, it, it, it'd be something for me to say, hey, you know, you, you've heard Stephanie and I mention Chipotle, I don't know, a couple billion times. And uh, if anybody has been listening to us long enough, you probably know that we spent our 10th wedding anniversary at a Chipotle. And, uh, and that they gave us a free meal that evening and also lots because of I free burritos. Because I think, though, that the, the traditional, uh, the traditional um, you know, the 10th wedding anniversary is a frijole anniversary, right? <laughs> That's right. And so, basically, I, it, it would be neat for me to say, hey, Chipotle has finally come on board as a sponsor of our show, and we just want to say a special thanks. And here, there's going to be a link to the, uh, feed, to the general feedback uh, email address uh, of Chipotle, and if you if you're interested in saying thank you to Chipotle for for doing that, just send them a short message. There'll be a link in the show notes. I mean, with the audience that I have, I have no doubt in my mind that that would immediately generate about 180 emails to yeah. them. And I think again, that would be measurable more in terms of the goodwill and the sort of uh, them jumping in at the early stages of this game. Um, and the terms of the value of that, you know, to be able to say, hey, we were the first major, you know, food company. And by the way, they're owned by McDonald's. So, I mean, it is a it is a very major food company um, to say, oh, we're the first to have advertised in in this new medium. Now, I will and tell you that they are, not, they are not they are not owned by McDonald's. They aren't. No, they're not. I thought they were. No, they're not owned. They they used to uh, McDonald's used to own a majority of the shares in the corporation. Oh, yeah, and, see, there you go. And from and from what I understand, they no longer do. So, okay. But anyway, my point being that, that I, st I still feel like it's, it's, if we measure it in terms – even in terms – see, and in corporate terms, 180 emails 
isn't a lot. You know, no. it doesn't really mean it's not a, it's not even a blip on the screen uh, in terms of the sizes that they're doing because they're talking about hey, you know, we we put out an ad or we put out a, a, a TV commercial and then the next week, you know, our same store, uh, you know, the next quarter our same store sales doubled. Right. You know, which which translates into you know sixteen million dollars of revenue. Um, which so you know, unfortunately, I think the scale that we're working on, we're just not at that point where we can move the needle by ourselves. So I think therefore we should focus on on that other area. We should focus on the goodwill. We should focus on that they're at the cutting edge, that they're the first to support this. Um, and, you know, in a certain way that, you know, by comparison to what they'll spend on other advertising, it's nothing, you know. Absolutely. But that's the that's part of the problem too, is that because it's so small, it's hard for them to devote any energy to it because what would they do they they're thinking well god i'm gonna have to spread my my budget out over 70 different advertisers it's much easier to buy one insertion order right you know from a, from a major company uh, than it is to to literally have a negotiation with 70 different podcasters we're gonna bring april on for one more question as soon as i unmute her here go ahead april i have a comment i know a lot of people in podcasting tend to think of advertising in terms of downloads per episode. But I've seen a lot of people that have had a, you know, success in obtaining advertising where they may have one particular company that they um, that are in all their shows for like a month or two months for a longer period of time. And I think it's more the focus be more on the long run of an advertisement versus you know, okay, on this today's show, I'm going to do this this company, and tomorrow's show is going to be another company. Kind of thing. And I think you you make a very good point. The long tail, because that's something that's unique to blogging and podcasting. Um, anything with an RSS feed that you don't see in uh, broadcast media, for example, once it's run, anyone who's going to see it has seen it. Right. But in podcasting, that's you know that same show that I did in January. If someone links to it tomorrow and a hundred new people listen to it. Whoever I advertised on, uh, whoever my my sponsor was in January is going to get more listeners. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's a great point, April. So let's get let's uh, steer this back to the ADM discussion a little bit. I, obviously, you know, one of one of the desires of the ADM quite clearly was communicated that this, you know, for for those who really want to monetize podcasting, I, I I think I'm reading into that correctly. Am I, Mark? Um, I think I think so. There 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 is a perception of that, and I think it is absolutely palpable. But I don't think that I think if you talk to anyone who's been of the uh, on the early organizing group, they would say no. It's not just for people who want to monetize. It's right. for any podcaster, anyone who's interested in downloadable media, so that they can have a voice. And one of the um, one of the points that was made repeatedly, uh, particularly by Matthew Snodgrass, but also by others, was that hey, this has a way of sort of equalizing. The discussion that uh, large companies within the space don't necess- won't necessarily have a larger voice than Joe Podcaster. That you know, it's sort of the idea being that it's well, one membership, one vote. That you know, that theoretically, the generally speaking podcast network uh, as a member would have just as much power as uh, PodTrack, PodShow, or Porter Novelli. Um, in, and in theory, I think that is that is so. In practice, will it'll remain to be seen exactly how that's going to be, um, just as just as it was when you know the early uh, days of the republic, where we had the large populist colonies and the small 
not populated colonies, uh, and there was a, a differential, you know, between Virginia and Rhode Island, right. um, just because of size and, and economic power. Um, but in theory, everyone has the same vote. Now, obviously, they were talking about this sort of representative democracy, which of course throws that whole theory out of the water <laughs> of one, you know, one member, one vote. Because theoretically, then, if there's an advisory council, you don't get a vote. Yeah. You know, you your your vote only is so far as well. I get to vote out the person who didn't vote the way I wanted. <laughs> but it's not exactly. You know, it sort of it puts us in the same uh, position we're in with Congress, where you know we wring our hands in frustration over our elected officials and how poorly they represent our needs in the legislature. <laughs> right. Well, the only thing I want to say uh, to to kind of uh, slowly wrap up the discussion here is that this is this is all brand new stuff. Um, and and I think this is a, a very interesting topic. I'm very interested in ADM. I'm not necessarily ready to go and join it yet. I'd really like to see what their charter is. I'd like to see some kind of documentation of, of where they do see themselves going. Um, you know, it, it would be neat to be in on the ground floor, but on, honestly, I personally just don't have the time for it. Uh, which well, you it's know. it's interesting though that you hear you say that because it that illustrates one of the quandaries of this whole discussion is that you know they're saying, hey, anyone can have an effect on it. Anyone can get in now on the ground floor and affect the discussion, but you have to be in it now in order to do that. I mean, literally, yeah. you can't just. Like you can't just sit back and see how it pans out and say, oh, well, then I'll join because at that point you have less of a chance to actually have an effect on any of it. I, so it's sort of a, a strange catch-22 right now in that it's in formation, but you kind of you have to be in the conversation for that to happen. And I'll just point out that they're going to have their first official meeting um, this coming Friday at the PME. Um, in Ontario, Canada, at 7:30 a.m. the un the ungodly hour of 7:30 a.m. Um, and I guess that's when they're really going to sort of form the you know officially form the found the the association. And anyone who has joined up till that point will be able to uh, submit themselves for one of the positions. And I think it's essentially right now they're going to create four executive committees and. Uh, uh, four executive committee spots, chairman, vice chairman, secretary, and treasurer, and then 11 advisory board seats and five committee chair positions. Um, and there's all that information at the website at downloadablemedia.org. Yeah, and I want to, I really want to uh, stress to podcasters out there I know we have uh, seasoned podcasters that have been doing this ever since the very beginning. We have people who are probably going to launch their very first podcast this week. This is a topic that I think that we should all be uh, keeping our eyes open to uh, see what's going on and follow this. And uh, Chef Mark, I want to thank you very much for uh, making me aware of the ADM and uh, sharing those awesome uh, audio uh, broadcast or recordings in your remarkably mark uh, podcast feed and also want to thank you for coming here and uh, having a conversation with me about that here today well you know anytime anytime and again I just want to repeat that you know I'm I am not uh, I don't have a, an interest in ADM other than my interest as an individual podcaster to see sort of what happens in the industry and I feel very strongly that this is a viable industry and that we can make it work uh, however and you, you know, if you want to do it as an as a as a hobby, or if you want to do it as a business. Uh, personally, you know, I'm focusing on the business aspects and doing a pretty good, uh, you know, feeling pretty good about the results we're having so far. And my concern is that any any uh, 
things that are decided upon by an association uh, sort of has ha well might have an effect over my ability to individually negotiate uh, things, and that's that's where I'm going to be really watching out, um, on, you know, as to what's going on with the ADM. Very cool. And I'm going to play some brief music to to um, take us over to a public service announcement here. All right, Chef Mark, I have a public service announcement uh, and a public apology announcement to make here. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. I want to confess that I have been very bad in that I have forgotten about the world and universe at large that do not use iTunes. And, and Oh, and uh, what I mean haven't been promoting your, your RSS feed other than your iTunes feed? Nope, nope. This is even more severe than that. And I think this is a, something that all podcasters need to hear. And I'm also going to share it for you, Chef Mark, because uh, I think that this came up as a result of releasing two of your shows into my feed at the same time I was doing this on my other shows. Okay. However, what what we what I get used to doing is releasing my shows, uploading them to my server, and then I will go in and do a blog entry, which will of course create the title and. And it and it I'll put in the link to the actual MP3 file. And when when iTunes goes and and it checks the RSS feed, it pulls down that MP3 file and it completely rewrites the tags from the RSS feed. And so therefore, the title of the show is exactly the title that I chose in the blog entry, and the the um, artist and album and all of that stuff is pulled up. Pulled in by the RSS feed that it that I originally set up for the show. So anybody that gets my podcast and downloads the MP3 file from iTunes will get it perfectly formatted. And so therefore, uh, even if they use a non-iPod, even if they use like a um, I don't know, an MP3 player of any type. Uh, God it, forbid. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, I, I know that there's some other MP3 players out there. I just can't think of any at the time. But uh, Well, but there's the iRiver. There's the, the, uh, the, the M-Audio. The Creative, there's creative Zen. Lab, there's the Zen. There, there are a lot of actual MP. And, you know, there's also uh, little uh, USB thumb drives as well that people use. So, so any of those that have a display... Uh, which there are plenty of them out there. If they use, if they're using iTunes to actually download and then port them onto their their device, then it's no problem at all. However, there are quite a few people out there that are using something, some other podcatcher, or it, maybe even just the RSS feed aggregator to go and uh, directly download those MP3 files straight from the server without it being processed through iTunes. And what okay. happens is that. If we do not, as podcasters, edit our ID3 tags before we upload them, then it's very difficult for our listeners uh, to kind of navigate those shows. And um, I recently Are you saying that that if they're not listening with iTunes, they won't be able to get the ID3 tags. No, they get the ID3 tags if only only if we upload them. And uh, so I got a call. For, I got an email from a friend of mine that says you just released two of the two identical files in your podcast answer man and they were both from pod show so for some reason uh, there was no those were my those were my files that yes. you put in there and that so were not recognized as individual files well i guess the id3 tags seem to be identical from part 1 and part 2 
is what I was getting. But but hmm. this, this well, is well, I I know for a fact that they weren't. Oh, okay. But they were similar, but they weren't identical. Okay. Well, I will tell you that what recently I have been doing, I've been using uh, GarageBand to process a lot of the recordings that I've done, and they have this ability to go in and just put in you know some standard stuff. Uh, just I have GSPN.TV put into the album, the artist, and everything. And now you are going to mention that GarageBand is only for the Mac, right? That's right. Garage, <laughs> they, they're quite aware of that. And then what will happen or, is... Well, banjo Band is my friends at the Little Fatty Cast would call it. <laughs> so the, the problem that I've been running into is I've not been clearly laying out the, the actual title of the show. It, it'll record as, um, it'll just say P.A.M., you know, because the, I just give it a temporary name, and oh, okay. or I'll I'll put in MCL just for my crazy life. But I don't I don't describe what that show is in the title tag in the ID three tags. Right, but because, you know you can also use iTunes itself to edit your ID three tags manually. Right, and that's what I should have been doing ever since I started using um, GarageBand. But I had not done that. I just kind of just assumed that everybody uses iTunes and. That's where I come with this public service right. announcement of saying, uh, podcasters, it's very important for us, if nothing else, to use a standard artist and album tag. And and the number of the show. And the number of the show is, is somewhat important, but at least a description of the t in the title field for the ID3 tags. And I've been right. extremely guilty of letting that go because I just trust that iTunes does that, which it does. But for my non-iTunes podcast-catching friends, I apologize to you, and uh, I can assure you that this uh, this podcast here, whether you get it on iTunes or not, will have a clearly titled ID3 tag. Okay, great. Very so this cool. is less, less of a PSA and more of a mea culpa. There you go. <laughs> so that is all we have for this episode of the podcast answer man and and chef mark as always it's been a pleasure and i'm sure you'll be back with me again very soon absolutely all right bye-bye everybody internet talk show check it out at talkshoe.com